0: Welcome to Series 5 of the Bible and Me podcast from Precept Ministries UK, the series that uses incredible life stories to give God the glory. Before we dive into this week's episode, if you haven't done so already, be sure to click that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any of the amazing testimonies in the future. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. Well, I have to say, it, it, I'm really pleased this morning to be uh, welcoming Jan Ransom to the front. It's a bit like down memory lane, actually, for me, because, of course, you know we knew each other a little bit in the army, but uh, obviously we moved on since then. Uh, Jan is a naval officer's daughter who moved uh, to several schools in her early years. After attending secondary education in South Sea, she obtained a home economics diploma from Sheffield Polytechnic. Uh, Breaking the family mould, she joined not the Navy, but the Army, in 1975, where she served until her late 40s in 2002. In 2003, Jan founded a charity called Flame International, and cites working with flame as like walking through the book of the Acts of the Apostles. (laughs) Uh, Jan loves um, holidays in the sun, don't we all? Uh, Reading... um, what she calls improving books, uh, she loves skiing, uh, but most of all she loves public speaking to encourage others in their faith, and she's very good at that. Jan, welcome to the programme.
1: Good morning Nigel, yeah. <laughs> it's such a joy to be here. Oh.
0: Now Jan, I ask all folks on the podcast this question, uh, how did you come to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and why do you follow him?
1: Yes. The, how I became a follower of Jesus Christ is I believe that the people, uh, the, the people who wrote a letter to me about the love of Jesus were praying for me. I met this man, um, uh, he, at the time he was Major Ian Dury. He reti- He retired as a Major General. Um, uh, but at that this time we were in four brigade in Munster and he was the um, deputy chief of staff and I was working as a, a staff captain these are military terms but that's what I was that's what we were doing he was my boss and I know that he and his wife Janie prayed for me for the time that I was working for him and I think during those two years I was starting to get a God conscious. I was just starting to have a a consciousness of God. And I'd always, I'd always gone to Sunday school and I'd been confirmed in the Anglican church, but I certainly did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and they obviously prayed for me and I went to church. And then when I left for Brigade, I moved down to Bovington and, um, they wrote me, Ian wrote me a 12-page letter saying Jesus had died for me, that my sins that were forgiven and that all I needed to do was to invite him into my life. As, the, as I read this 12-page letter, I was absolutely weeping all over it. Um, if I had the letter now, 36 years later, um, I, I could still show you the tears on it because it was really, I mean, I was really impacted by this letter. Um, however, I don't have the letter. I think in one of my moves, it obviously went missing. Um, but as I did that and I prayed, the, I didn't have to read the letter again. Immediately, they'd put a, a prayer at the end of it that I could pray, and I prayed. I confessed my sin, I repented, and I invited Jesus to be Lord of my life. And that was in the space of about five minutes. And then from there, that evening, I had to go for dinner with the brigadier of the um, of of the unit. Um, you know of Bovington camp at the time and, and I, I mentioned this and there was like it was a black tie dinner and, and I, it sort of fell on stony ground so I left that I was a young captain I was 29 years of age just and um, I left that. But from then on, I had a missionary zeal. And I I really, the moment I said that prayer, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he just propelled me to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ in the army. And what was interesting is that, From that moment, I tried to get out of the army. Actually, I really, I just felt I wanted to tell people about the saving grace of Jesus. So, um, but it was clear that that wasn't going to be the case. And um, and every two years, I every two years, which is uh, the time that we uh, move in in the army, that we moved in the army. Uh, every two years, I'd say, Lord, is it time yet for me to be, uh, is it time yet for me to go and be a missionary? And I would get scriptures for people out of the blue, not knowing what I was saying. Um, Do not look to the right, to the left, just go, keep going. And I was constantly being kept into the army. And interestingly, it, it was I, I was in the army for 18 years after I met with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, Jesus was trained from the age of 12 to the age of 30 before he started his ministry, which was 18 years. And um, I knew that it was right for me uh, to stay in. And then, of course, um, I became the commanding officer of the School of Employment Training in Worthy Dam. And it was at that time, somebody had a prophetic word for me and it said, for such a time as this, um, taking, taken obviously from the book of Esther, for such a time as this have you been in the army. And so I knew it was right for me to stay in the army while I was a commanding officer. And at the end of that time, I... Um, I knew it was right to resign and, and to come out and start the formation of Flame International. Uh, well, well, well,
0: well. Now, I, I want to ask you a couple of questions here. Uh, your, your dad was in the Navy. Yes. But you joined the Army. <laughs> um, yeah. And that, that's, you know, I want to ask you that. And then secondly, you know, looking back on your time in the Army, what, what are your reflections on that? So first question, I mean, that's quite, you know, I mean, Royal Navy Senior Service. I yeah, mean, I know.
1: You know but, you know, I think it was... I think it... Well, it had to be a God thing, really. But, of course, at that stage, I didn't realise that. But I when I was in Sheffield Polytechnic, I went to the Officer Training Corps in Sheffield. Um, and it, it was... I've always liked uniforms, you know, I was a brownie and then I was a guide and then, you know, I joined and then at 18 I, I went to the officer training corps and we did such exciting things with the army, you know, in the territorial army in in some ways you do much more exciting things with no responsibility that sounds shocking really but not huge responsibility and and i just had the most wonderful time and and i was doing home economics you know uh, i was i have never been a great intellect uh, and yet i i went from the otc and did a regular commissions board which was the interview that you do i got through it and um, and really, it I, I never had any intention when I went to Sheffield that I was going to join the army, but that's where my contacts were. That's where God put me. And that's why I believe I entered the army, you know? And um, so I'm just, I, and I was never really very good at home economics. I mean, uh, frankly, and even now I'm not frightfully good. So therefore, you know, that was never going to be what I was called to do. And what the army did for me, you know, I, I, I am so indebted to the army. It taught me leadership. Of course, in in the army, you've always that that when when you're commissioned into the army as an officer, of course there must be a measure of um, leadership. Otherwise, you would you wouldn't uh, have got through the regular commissions board. But what happened was that I, I was I was. I was encouraged in leadership. I learnt it. I learned to be determined. I learned about tough love. I learned what moral courage was. I learned what courage, physical courage was. Uh, but I think the important thing for me now is what moral courage is. And actually that's as a Christian, we've got to have the ability to stand up and, and confront things. Um, which are not comfortable we've got to confront people who uh, who are who would are against us and actually that's come on into flame international when we go to countries which I won't mention but where there are people who are not from the Christian faith and it can be quite dangerous and so therefore and we're we're ministering to people who don't come from at times who don't come from a Christian faith, they come from other faiths. And so it's been important to have both physical courage, but also moral courage. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's, that's what the, the army instilled in me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that those 18 years, the Lord was teaching me for what I do now in Flame International.
0: That is wonderful. I mean, I was in the army 25 years myself. Yeah. I uh, would, would absolutely wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying there. It does teach you stuff, doesn't it? And you are in tough circumstances often. And in leadership, you have to make tough decisions sometimes, which uh, it would be easy to walk away from those things. But you're the, you're the boss. You're the one in charge. You've got to make the call. And um, so that is that is that is um, interesting. Now, just to, um, before I move on, um, being a Christian in the army... Yeah. How were you viewed? How did you find that? Did you sense that people viewed you a little bit with suspicion or you were a bit odd or or were people generally accepting of that, particularly if you were seeking to witness to
1: them? Yes. Well, I think it is easier for a woman in the army to be a Christian Uh, and people might criticise me for that but actually you can be, there's something about you can be charming, you, you can be fun, you you can, so I, I do think that, I did think it was slightly easier in my time. Remember, I've been out 16 or 17 years now, so, but during, you know, in 1970, it, it, well, no, it wasn't 1975, but it was 1983, but, um, you know, it was slightly easier, I, I believe. However, I did witness in the army, and I remember one time when I was in, Lisbon in Northern Ireland and I walked into the bar because you know that's where the social life was and I watched people walk away from me and I was convinced really that it was because of my Christian faith. And I would run things, I used to run prayer breakfasts and I would, and with evangelistic speakers coming along. So I I was doing that most units that I went to, there was always something, I would always put something on that was evangelistic because I believed that I was in the army in in order to preach the gospel and how you did it was try to do it in a culturally acceptable way by laying on a prayer breakfast or laying on a dinner so that people could come and you'd have an after dinner speaker so I tried to make that very culturally acceptable while not compromising on the truth of the word of God that Jesus came to die for us and, and forgive us for our sins. And and I was always quite open about that. So it, at times it was hurtful, but I'm not, sh- but I, but I don't think I don't, it did affect me in some ways, but of course you just had to press on with it. I'll tell you, I'd like to tell you one story uh, and, and, and it's against myself really, but, because one day some years after I'd become a Christian, somebody said to me, "Jan, um do you like men?" And I said, "Yes, I work with them all the time. I love men and uh, he they said, "Well, your attitude doesn't doesn't look like that." So at this stage, I walk away and think about this. You know, if people challenge you and I, to this day I'm grateful for this man who challenged me, to be honest and um he He said, and I I went away and thought about it, and I thought, yes, my attitude is, I would be very defensive, uh, but aggressively offensive. So I would say to men, oh, that's only your male ego, or this is, or, or, oh, you're a man. That's why you don't understand. And I would say these things in order to protect myself, because I found it difficult to be sidelined because I wasn't a trained killer to the level that they were do, do, mm. so and and I was sidelined and I knew things were being talked about behind my back I knew all that that's just how it is and uh, anyway so inside me and I realized that I had a bitter root against men which meant that I needed to forgive them so I chose to forgive them and you know um In uh, Matthew six, it says, um, "If you you know, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father." Um, will, for, will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men when they sin against you, you will not be forgiven. You know, that is tough teaching. And in the army, when your commanding officer says to commands you to do something, then you salute, turn to the right, and you'll, you obey the command. So when my heavenly father, um, in, in Matthew 6, tells me that I have to forgive, I re- this became a reality for me, and I had to salute my Heavenly Father and said, yes, Lord, I choose to forgive men in the army. I choose to forgive them, and, and I repent of my wrong attitudes, my wrong belief, because what I believed was that all men loathed me or hated me. So that's what I believed in my belief system. So therefore, my behavior was that I would attack before, um, before they could attack me. But, you know, when when I started uh, to read this and it became, you you know, it just became um, obvious to me that I had to forgive and I chose to forgive. And, you know, at that moment, as soon as I chose to forgive, it's a choice, at that moment, my life was transformed because I no longer had the burden of... I, I no longer had... Had the belief that, that men hated me, I no longer had the burden of unforgiveness on me. It had gone. I was completely set free. And do you know, in the future, I was, I was uh, a young, uh, I was a, actually I was a senior major then, just before I was re- promoted to lieutenant colonel. Um, and do you know, from that moment on, men couldn't hurt me because I, 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 A, I chose to behave differently, but also they couldn't hurt me. They still said things. But that was okay because Jesus was so, because that pain that was deep inside me had been healed. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus, because I was obedient to the word of God, I did what Jesus told me to do, <laughs> and, and then I wasn't hurting anymore and I didn't have to be aggressive anymore. Very practical. Yeah, very it's just, and you see this is, the word of God is so practical if you just do what it tells you to do. <laughs> and of course we all fall short of that, don't <laughs> we?
0: We do, we do, and that's what precept is all about, of course. Yes. Now, when you um, you left the army in
1: 2002,
0: yes. Uh, I mean, you've hinted of, of why you left when you did, uh, but it was a tough year for you, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: it was very interesting year for me, um, and I left the army. I uh, I went. Interestingly, I went to. Um, I went to America on the on the day that I left the army, and I was pulled out of the army, you know, in a in a vehicle, a big vehicle, and all day everybody was saluting. It was a big occasion; everybody was crying, and including me. And anyway, was I, when
0: you were handing over a CO, yeah, it
1: was as I was handing wow. so it was over.
0: You you were leaving the army. Yeah, I
1: was. Oh. Yeah, um, but it was it was good. I went straight off to Pensacola in Florida <laughs> to a revival meeting. The moment I get there. I, I'm told when the worship comes on, and the worship went on for an hour and a half, um, to lie on the floor. So I laid on the floor and, um, and, I, and uh, I got up once, and then the Lord's my legs were wobbly, so I get back down on the floor again. And um, the, all through this conference, for 11 hours, when the worship was on, it was all right when the word was being preached, I could get up and sit down. All that time, I was lying up flat on my face on the floor. And the the Lord wasn't speaking to me. He didn't say you're going to be a missionary in Africa. He didn't say you're going to preach the word of God. He just left me for 11 hours, you know, in one and a half hour stints over that time. But at the end, he said to me, Jan, he said, that is where the mantle of my glory will be revealed. When you're on your face, when you're humble before me. And, um, and I realized I had to get the Lieutenant Colonel Pips off my shoulders, and I had to get the child of God in me. And frankly, it was a year of humbling. And then I went um, on a six-month course, it happened to be with LL Ministries, and I went on a six-month course to teach me about healing and deliverance. And, but before that, God had called me to do um, a 40 day fast mm-hmm. and when I say a 40 day fast I, mean, I had been praying for six years that I'd be able to do this once I left the army and um, I just knew I was called to fast uh, and and uh, I uh, so for forty days um, I I didn't eat or I drank water, I just drank water for 40 days, but unfortunately it was, um, this was I only, I, I had to do, I started this course and I was only at day 30. So it was, it was of day 30 of the fast. I started a course and I'm there around, not trying not to tell people that I'm fasting and trying to course, keep if it. if you're on a
0: course with others, They, they, they are they, meal times.
1: There were meal times. So I didn't go to the meal times. I just had to stay away, which was difficult sure. because I'm sure. trying to communicate with people. Anyway, but you know what? what happened to me during that 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 fast is that um yeah my my mother got very sick Uh, in fact she nearly died during that time there were uh, and i just realized that um uh, uh, that and i knew it was a challenge i knew it was one of those things that god was challenging me anyway I I just cried out I cried out to God for my mother and uh, eventually she she ha- she was anemic and uh, she had to have six or seven pints of blood pumped into her after that she didn't die but I had to cry out to God um on behalf of my mother um and and then um I
0: mean, that is a 40 day fast John
1: that is Yes I mean, strong, right? yes that's, that's, I mean, that yeah it was it was a difficult, it was difficult, and I hadn't realized how difficult it was going to be, to be honest. and then on this course, I was being challenged about we, ha- we were selling my mother's hotel. And um, that felt, and all sorts of complications came in with this sale of this hotel. And of course, my mother was 80 and I was having to, to look after this. So that was a challenge. And then um, at the, and then another challenge came. I was running a weekend for the Armed Forces Christian Union and the whole thing um, collapsed because the accommodation, the, um, the venue, uh, wasn't available. But it, this all happened during this 40-day fast. And and I had to absolutely cry out to God. But do you know what God was doing? He was breaking my pride. And that was so important for me. Because actually, when we go to our mission now, we go and we offer. We offer this teaching. We don't tell them that's how. We do, we do preach, but we're offering it, we're saying, this is it. And my pride had to be broken from the army. That's very
0: counter-army, isn't it? It is. army would say, you're gonna do this. Yes, that's and the right. the response would be, you know, how hard do you want me to jump, you know, as you say, turn to the right salute.
1: Yeah, sure. and we get should... on with it, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I, I've told this story before, but when, when I left the army. Um, yes. Uh, British Army, um, obviously to go and work with Preset, um, a very dear friend of mine, Bob uh, Marine, said, Naja, I want you to know the name of the organisation that you're going to join." Yeah. And I thought that's ridiculous. You know, Precept Ministry. He said it's not Precept Military. No. It's not. No. It's not a military yeah. organisation. No. This is a ministry, and in a very similar way to you. Um, God was doing doing a very similar work, and I ended up within a year of 18 months of leaving. And it was Zechariah six that came to me, not by my... Right, yeah. Nor by strength.
1: But by my spirit. My spirit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you.
0: you're taught in the army, aren't you? you know, we're going to mm. train you, so that, you know, come whatever situation, you can do it, you can sort it. But, of course, ministry is not like that,
1: is it? No, it it's isn't. It's just
0: not like that. And, and as you say, the military... There are obviously very positive things we've said about... Oh, military, but yeah. That, but the, there's another side of it that actually... You know what, it's best just left to one side. Yeah. Now, um, Flame International is both your work... Yeah. ..your main interest... Yes. ..and your hobby. I that know. It's amazing for that to happen.
1: It's so boring, really. <laughs> I know that, and I realise it sounds awful, but...
0: How, how did Flame start? And yeah. what countries do you operate in? And t- tell us about your work.
1: Yes. Well, uh, yeah, we we went... How, I, I had a vision for, for the healing and deliverance ministry, to be honest, about setting Isaiah 61, um, verse 1, you know, the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach the good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, release the captives, and to set the prisoners free. That's what Flame International is based on. That's what we do. And that's what, and I'm passionate to be obedient to that scripture, which I believe the Lord gave me. Me at the very beginning to, to, minis- to use to, to do ministry. When I first left the army, I worked part time for the Armed Forces Christian Union, which was formerly the Officers Christian Union. Um, and that was great. I did, a, I, I did the ladies' ministry t- and I was working two or three days a week. And it was wonderful because I, I, I still have a passion for the military. And that was great. I was working with serving women, but also wives of serving men as well. So, And I did that for uh, for a few years. But at the same time, concurrently, I was setting up the Ministry of Flame International, which was formed in 2003. And um, first of all, I went to Borneo. Now, Borneo, I had been seconded to the Sultan of Brunei's armed forces, uh, when I was uh, when I was a major and I had lots of contacts and I love the forest I absolutely love the forest and I I went uh, um, and I went to Borneo with a friend of mine who uh, called Maggie Liggins and um, we went to the headhunters um, of the, you know, in the jungles of Borneo, right, literally, they, they well, <laughs> they were not, but their parents had been. You know, we are talking, um, so so that was interesting, um, and um, I we went into the jungles and we just saw the miraculous happen, really. But while we were there, um, we were I was given um, Revelation three verse seven. Um, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. Um, I know your deeds. See, I've placed an open door before you that no one can shut. And you know, that verse, we were given it completely independently three times during that mission. And um, we were... We, the on the, um, one that we were going out to a to a, a place called Barrio. We were in well, we went to Borneo and we were in Sarawak. We went to this. We were going to this place to Barrio, and we got on this plane, a little plane, a small plane, and we were sitting in the front, and uh, you could smell oil um, very close to the cockpit because you could see into the cockpit. And all of a sudden we turned around and came back again and landed, thankfully. Anyway, um, uh, we, we'd, we'd, we landed at, in, uh, in another place. I think it was Meridi we were. And uh, anyway, we got down on the ground and we got on our knees and we just used Proverbs um, 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and need not on your own understanding. In always acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. And we got on our knees and we just prayed that scripture. And as we did that, um, we, we just knew that something was changing in the heavenly realms. Anyway, um, we, we got a flight within an hour. Actually, that flight took us back to where we'd come from, from Miri. Um, but the next day, we got a flight and we got out to Maridi, uh, sorry to Barrio and it was the most extraordinary time, this is one of the first missions I, I, I'd done um, and we just saw the miraculous um, and somebody, um, we, we had oil and we were praying for people, I preached on forgiveness we were praying for people and people came forward and the head man came forward um, and he came forward. And so when he came forward, everybody came forward and there was, and his back got healed. Now the moment his back got healed, um, we just prayed for him. The moment that, you know, everybody was excited. Then another lady, um, yeah, it, it, she, another lady had her head healed. Another lady said she couldn't read the She she couldn't read or write. But that day, something of the Holy Spirit came down upon her, and she went home and she could read the Bible. I don't know that she could read anything else, but I found out she could read the Bible. You know, this was, there'd been revival in Borneo actually. There is a revival that had been there in the past. But we got into this place where people were hungry for the word of God. Talking about English? English? It, it, English. No, no, these were indigenous people. So how did you communicate to them? Oh, we have an interpreter. Okay. We always have an interpreter. Wherever we go, we have an interpreter. So I'm used to speaking. And actually, if you've never worked through an interpreter, it's so easy because it gives you time to think about what you're going to say next. So it means you're not reading your notes all the time, you know. And I like to be able to communicate eyeball to eyeball so that people know uh, that, you know, that the Spirit of God is speaking to... Not that I'm speaking. I always pray the Spirit will speak, Spirit to Spirit through us. So anyway, so that was Borneo. We came back and then um, I I went to... um, Nigeria with um on a on a on um a, an, a conference with military ministries international which is another military and Val Batchelor Brigadier Val Batchelor came with me who is also a co-leader within Flame International and we went out there to Nigeria and I gave a talk in on forgiveness, because that's what we talk about a lot. It's not the only thing we talk about it, but it's one of our key teachings, and it is the one that starts to change people's lives and bring transformation. Anyway, I, I'm speaking. It was the most awful talk I've ever given. It was absolutely appalling. It was hot. We, it was five o'clock in the evening. The interpreter couldn't understand me. It was, it, it, they'd had no lunch and they were hungry. And I'm speaking to a small group of women and in, who had come from a military background. And um, at the end of it, I said to Val, this is, that was just appalling. It was just so awful. I knew it was awful. I couldn't get my scriptures out. It was just one of those times. But you see, this is all part of the humbling because we went back to our room in this guest house and prayed, Lord, bring some fruit from that talk. The next morning, the senior chaplain of the Sierra Leone Armed Forces came to me with his wife and said, we want you to come and teach um, our war widows in Sierra Leone. Well, that was the answer to the prayer. And it also showed me that actually, God's word does not return to him void, however badly you present it. Uh, So, and you know, that's what started us. We were three years in Sierra Leone, or we went three years to Sierra Leone. I'd prayed about um, going to South Sudan, to to Africa. And um, in 2005, we we went into South Sudan. And I went to this conference, invited by the... The Bishop, who had a missionary in his diocese, it was the episcopal Church of, of, of Sudan at that stage, but then no, it was of Episcopal Church of Sudania, yeah. and um, he invited us, and in that church, there were six Bishops. I was absolutely terrified because our, our teaching is simple but profound. We do a lot of drama. I've never, I'd never really spoken to a bishop before, frankly, and there were six of them, all from South Sudan. Anyway, I did this testimony of lying on the floor as I did at Pensacola, but I do lie on the floor. I, as I do the, did the testimony, I lay on the floor. All these bishops came to me, jammed when I was enthroned, I was asked to lie on the floor. So I'm thinking, God, you're amazing. Only God could have done that. You know, it's, it, was, it was just extraordinary. And as a result of that, and that bishop is today the archbishop and primate of South Sudan. And as a result of that, we're now Uh, Working with we for the long term I believe in South Sudan, but we have a mandate on us to go and Minister to the it's now called the South Sudanese People's Defence Force Um, And we to train their chaplains in our ministry and the Archbishop believes that if we could get, get the teaching that we give about forgiveness and reconciliation into this war-torn country of South Sudan, if we can get it into the army, who are sometimes the perpetrators of some of this, these issues, then the nation could be changed and transformed. And that's the mandate we've got on us at the moment, having already ministered in places like northern Uganda, where the Lord's Resistance Army were operating, Rwanda, Burundi, Democratic Republic of Congo. I've been into Armenia. I've been into um, the Middle East, um, where they're working with refugees um, from in the Middle East. So, uh, So all I would say is that God has opened doors for us that, that o- no from shut. yes that no man can shut and it, it's all about relationships. So you see, in 2005, we're working with a bishop who is now in 2018, and the archbishop inviting us to come and go and minister to the chaplains of the, of, of the armed forces of South Sudan. In
0: 2019.
1: In, yeah, it started in 2018. That's why I said eight, because we started last year. But we're now there in 2019, and we're going three times a year to minister to them. At the same time, we've still got ministry um, in um, in the Middle East and working with refugees who have come out of um, Syria, who've come out of um, Iraq, uh, Egypt, a number of places. But we're working with them, and we're also yeah, and Armenia at the moment. So that's that's where we're working. Incredible. I mean, um,
0: we spoke before a little bit, but um, Precept has um, a relationship with one of the bishops in, in.
1: Northern Uganda. Northern Uganda. Yeah.
0: Think, um, <clears throat> and also, um, you know, ministering in a way and talking about um, forgiveness as well. So it's interesting. Uh, you've obviously been a lot longer than, than the work of Precept there. Um, but the power of forgiveness to be able to move on uh, is just. And I know you do this in Africa, but it's as relevant I think today in our culture, isn't it? Oh, uh, so as much. We, as we see what's going on. With,
1: yeah.
0: With uh, all sorts of issues in our own country. Yeah. And powerful, powerful teaching straight out of the Word yeah. of God. Now, um, <clears throat> you will have heard the expression all Word and you dry up and all Spirit you blow up. Yes. Uh, but the Word and Spirit together you grow up. <laughs> how important is the balance between the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your ministry and how does this work out practically?
1: Yes. Well, I would say all our teaching is based on the Word of God. Everything we teach, we believe, is in line with God's Word. Of course, it's healing and deliverance, um, it can be contentious. But when you see the captives being set free, you don't think it's, it's contentious. And there's, and there's enough... You know, one third of Jesus' ministry was deliverance, and we get that from the Gospels. One third of his ministry. So therefore, you know, if Jesus did it, we're just doing what Jesus told us to do, you know. And um, so, so everything is on the Word. But, you know, when you're praying with people, when we're ministering, We have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit because it is him that is doing the work in people's lives. He is the one that's giving us words of knowledge to know. And he's giving us wisdom and discernment to know how to minister into these dear ones' lives. Because one of th- what we do, of course, is we minister into trauma from war, genocide or oppression. You can't do this in your own strength. You have to do it with the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit. And those are gifts of the Spirit, I believe, that only the Holy Spirit can give you. And so we would say that it's absolutely important that we don't do anything that is against the word of God. We do it in line with the word of God. We teach the word of God, but we allow the Holy Spirit to come and and minister um, um, to the people. And so I think it it has to be a a balance. I can't say 50-50, but there is a balance of word and spirit. And if we forget the word, you're quite right, we will dry up because it is the word of God, which is a two-edged sword that separates, um, it separates um, bone from marrow and whatever. And, and so we're like, we, we absolutely believe it's a word and spirit ministry. And we're unashamed about that. And, and so therefore, and everywhere we no, where we go, where there is extreme poverty we we try to take bibles with us so therefore we're giving bibles out so last year my church st paul's camberley had replaced their bibles and so i got 120 of them second hand bibles and took them to the youth you in on our next generation mission, so we take eighteen to 30 year olds out at the moment to northern Uganda to minister to young people in refugee camps, and we took with us the word of God. Second hand, it may have been. I have never seen anybody so thrilled as these young people to get a copy of the Bible. So that's where we are with the Bible. The Bible is paramount to our teaching, but the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. And that scripture, um, you know, not from Zechariah 4, yeah, is so so important. And, um, you know, one of the other scriptures that we we use a lot, though, well, when, it, when the Lord highlights it to us, is, um, is Acts 3, verse... Th- Acts 3, or Acts 4, verse 30, sorry. Yeah, Acts 4, verse 30, it says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And, you know, sometimes that will be given to us and, and I know, and, and that's what we see. We see people's being healed and we see Jesus performing miracles and signs and wonders. And, you know, it's through his word that we're prompted to do it. And then as a result of that prompting, we see Jesus turn lives upside down, beautifully, wonderfully to upside down. And, and then what we have the privilege is that when we're away... I would, these days, it's easy because I can generally either email back or text back or WhatsApp back things which are happening on the mission field. And then people, hundreds of people are receiving this because we take teams. And the last time I was in South Sudan, I had 10 team members. Of course, they had people praying for them. Church, whole churches were were, being, were praying for us. So these emails were going back and then they are sending words coming back to us. And very often they'll bring scriptures and they're so pertinent to what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, Isaiah um, 43 verses 18, 19, you know, do not uh, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See I'm doing a new thing, and we're able to communicate to the either the chaplains or the pastors and leaders who we also minister to, uh, or or the or the, the victims of rape that we've ministered to in in Democratic Republic of Congo. We're bringing scriptures that are coming from all over the world and words of knowledge, which actually help us to minister to these people. One man last time said, I think there's a man there who's got, or no, there's a... it was a man actually, who's got um, a, a pain behind his eye socket and he can't see very well. And I knew that I had to give it, it was a prophetic word. So I come and I said, there's somebody here with a with a a pain behind the eye socket. Anyway ten people come forward we pray for all of them and they they all received a measure of healing for their sight. The next day, this dear old man, chaplain, brigadier, came up, he was so excited. He said, I was shot through the back of my eye and I've had pain there. You know, I don't know how the bullet went in, out. Uh, I didn't, I don't go into that. But you know, he and he said yesterday, when you prayed for me, and of course we lifted shock and trauma off, and so therefore we were doing our ministry, doing what we do best is lifting off shock and trauma and pain Anyway, he said, today I can read my Bible. Amen. Amen, yes. And so that's the type of thing that happens when we're on mission. And that's what propels us. Uh, You know, it's like we're unstoppable, really, because that's what propels us to go out and be uncomfortable for a couple of weeks. But, you know, there is nothing so rewarding and fulfilling as seeing Jesus come and heal the sick, Mm -hmm. save, you know, and save them and set the captives free. There is nothing, nothing more rewarding than that. And, And sometimes we get the opportunity to do that in this country. And in fact, we're running something called The Forge, where people are coming to be trained, to be, hopefully, to be leaders and in the ministry that we're doing. Because we've, we've got to train people in order that we've got somebody to take over from me, because I'm 65 and <laughs> I still hope I've got another 15 years or 20 years, but who knows? Yeah, no, but we've got, to, we've got, to, got to plan got to for ahead. that. have got to look
0: ahead, absolutely. And, you know, you said it's like uh, walking through the, the modern-day Acts of the Apostles, didn't you? Uh, yeah. And... and uh, yeah, just fantastic to hear that. Really, really wonderful. Well, uh, I mean, you know, Jesus said you'll do greater things than, than I will. And, uh, and obviously we're
1: hearing some of those stories, yeah. yeah. One um, of the things, I must say, is the other thing that we take is God's love. And, you know, the first thing, we go in humility, but we also take God's love. And that's the prime objective, is to take his love. As well as the healing, that's kind of, but the love is important as well. And I wouldn't want to not have... Um, a recording of anything without people knowing that he gives us a supernatural love
0: to do that and, to that. and you, you you i mean you beautifully um, answered my question about the, the balance between the holy spirit and the word of god you know the, the two together and people giving you scriptures that you then use that the spirit can then take and use it's fantastic absolutely wonderful um this is obviously a preset podcast and for those of you that um, um want to know the Bible like John knows the Bible, <laughs> uh, please do get in touch with us uh, as a ministry and we would be delighted to help you on your own journey of uh, how to uh, read, understand, but more importantly, really live out the Word of God. It's not just building up head knowledge, is it? It's actually living it out, which is what you're yeah. describing. so beautifully describing. So please get in touch. Um, do you have a favourite Bible book or character?
1: Well, I like David, I think, because I think... I like the fact that he was courageous and he was a soldier. And I like the fact that he also, and he was a man, yeah. And I like the fact that he danced um, outrageously and humbled himself dancing before the Lord. And I like anything, and that's like, you know, that, that really isn't it, it's a little... Um, that sums you up. It you? does sum me up, yes. Um, we, we, you know, I just like the fact that it was extravagant yeah. love yeah. And, and that's what we want. Brilliant. So so
0: would that be your favourite Bible verse as well, sort of related to that?
1: Or do you have yes. Bible I, I do love that verse um, about trusting in the Lord with all your heart because I use it constantly because I'm always having to trust the Lord with all my heart. Um, but the other verse... Um, that, that I, I I like is, is 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God because that sums the gospel up for me.
0: Jan, what a joy it has been to talk with you. And I'm sure that we could have gone on a lot longer. <laughs> but... Um, for those who are um, listening, uh, Jan, would you, um, who who long for God's healing hand, yeah, in their life, and have not seen that in the way that they may have hoped for, how would you encourage them to finish?
1: Yeah. Do you know? I believe that the Lord can heal everybody. What and it's on the we major on the inside you know when i chose to forgive men in the army i was healed on the inside and you know it's about reading the word of god and and you know if you look at the gospels if you look at if you look at the book of acts you can see how jesus healed things now it can be a process forgiveness is a process because actually i can take my unforgiveness back if i want to but healing, very often on the inside, is a process, and um, I would I would just encourage people th- that all of us need a measure of healing. I would say there isn't a man or woman that doesn't walk on this earth that doesn't need healing, because we've all been hurt and we've all hurt people, and we all have to we all have to um, we all have to surrender ourselves and we have to make Jesus Christ of Lord of every part of our life. And that includes the body and the soul, which is the mind, the will and the emotions, and also our spirit, which is where we communicate with God. It's where our conscience is, it's where our intuition is. So I would say we just have to make ourselves vulnerable to the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. You just have to look at some of the Psalms. Look at Psalm 142 about the pain at the, that that Psalmist cries out to God, but when he, but actually as he cries out to God, he hears and he brings healing in Jesus' name.
0: Wonderful. All right, well listen, Jan, uh, thank you so much and um, really pray that the Lord blesses all your you know, mission trips your plans for the ministry and that there's a harvest of souls brought into the kingdom. Mm as a result of
1: what we all through. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been my privilege. You've been listening to the Bible and Me
0: podcast from Precept Ministries UK.
1: By leaving a rating or review, you can
0: help us to reach a wider audience with the good news of God's grace and plans for his people. But otherwise, until next time, we hope you have a blessed week from all of us here at PM UK.